Welcome to another edition of the Carboline Tech Service Podcast. I'm Jack Walker. With me, as always, is the Director of Technical Service, and that's Mr. Paul Jamis. And that was a mouthful today for some reason. I was just going to say, man, you jumped onto that quick and got through it all in one take. Well, yeah, because if you could see me right now, <laughs> that would not be what you would think was I good. Can. Yeah, you can. Nobody else can. That's why this is perfect for radio, but it's not really radio. I digress. Paul, we got, we're wrapping up our series. I think we're going to finish off with our last type of media, the sponge media today. We got guys from SpongeJet, uh, Ted Valoria. He's the vice president. He's going to come in. Kind of set the record straight. I learned some stuff. I really on this did too. Episode. Ted was a great, great interview. And so, what we're going to do is we're going to throw it to that. And then I think next week we're going to have a little bit of a summary where we kind of break down everything that we talked about really quickly. Yeah. Yep. So, if you have any questions and you want us to cover it in that last episode of this series, you can reach us at technical service at carboline.com. Jack's on Twitter at Jack underscore CTSP. I'm at Paul underscore CTSP. And here's our conversation with Ted. All right. Today on the Carboline Tech Service Podcast, we are joined by Ted Valoria. He is the vice president for SpongeJet. And Ted, welcome to the show. Thanks. Pleasure to be here. Glad to finally get on. All right. So, Ted, why don't we start off at the basics? We've heard of Sponge Blasting before, but tell us a little bit about SpongeJet, who you are, what you do. Okay. First, a little bit about the company, and then I guess I'll get to me. SpongeJet's about 30 years old. It was uh, started out in the northeastern United States. The management is environmentally conscious. And so we developed a product that is low dust, dry abrasive, and recyclable. We've been around, like I say, 30 years. We're in, established in more than 70 countries, have a presence in about 104 countries around the world. And we manufacture here in the United States and ship out from here. So our basic industry is just about everything you can think of. We uh, clean or we prepare surfaces for coatings, either a new surface or a surface that's been in service for a while with heavy rust on it or contaminants. The product can uh, get a wide range of profiles from just cleaning a surface with no profile established to our nominal, our average profiles are from two and a half to four and a half mil profile, but we've gone as deep as seven mil profile with product. We use a range of abrasives that are encapsulated in a polyurethane foam sponge. The sponges are three to five millimeters in size, and the abrasives stay in the sponge. You blast the surface with it. It removes contaminants, captures the dust as much as 95% less dust generation. So it's a very low dust, dry abrasive. You collect the, uh, the sponge media, put it into a machine, shake out the contaminants, reuse it multiple times so it's very cost effective it requires uh, containment but the containment is less than you would normally see for abrasive blasting because the product doesn't ricochet it rebounds it loses its kinetic energy after its first impact so it has uh, a less detrimental effect on uh, containment plastic or sheeting on the containment system and then you shake out the contaminants and reload it and reuse it again and again and again. The waste stream typically is between 75 and 85% less generated by sponge blasting than it is with normal abrasive blasting. For me, I've been in the high-performance coating business in some form or another, putting it on, protecting it, or taking it off for about 34 years now. 
started out in the industry and with high-performance epoxies. And then now I'm in the process of taking off uh, high-performance epoxies and thick coatings and everything else with sponge media. I'm the vice president for North American sales, and that involves Canada and the United States for my part. And we have a sales force of distribution or direct sales people throughout North America and distribution in the rest of the world. All right. I think you covered just about everything that we could have imagined. So one of the things, though, that you mentioned as you were going through, I didn't realize, and, you know, I've been doing a little bit of studying and been watching. I didn't realize that you guys could create, you know, like you said, up to a six or seven mil anchor profile. I didn't realize that you were able to go that deep. Uh, indeed. Um, just we have, a, we have 23 different styles of sponge media, and encapsulated in the sponge media are abrasives. So on the uh, let's start with the most aggressive side. We have product that has steel grit encapsulated in the sponge media. Then we have multiple styles that are aluminum oxide. Our aluminum oxide products range from uh, 16 grit aluminum oxide, 30 grit, 60 grit, 80 grit, 120, 220, 320, and 500 grit on aluminum oxide. We have a uh, glass impregnated sponge. We have plastic abrasive. We have spherical precipitate of calcium carbonate. Boy, that one's a mouthful. And then have, yeah, and then we have nothing. So as an example, if you had a fire in a building or in a vessel or anything, we could remove the smoke and soot from the surface without taking off the coatings unless if the coatings were intact. Years ago, we did that at uh, the Mercedes manufacturing plant in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where they had a fire in the paint shop. And over the Christmas holiday, they removed all that soot. There was a dam out in Washington had the same issue. They had a fire in a, in a generator in the dam. And they removed all the soot without taking off the coating. So. That's on the light side, um, and the very lightest that we've done in in my history with the company was the Marine Memorial statue in Arlington, Virginia. Um, that's a bronze statue, and it has wax protecting it, the bronze, with the patina. And for the National Park Service, a contractor was able to remove the wax and not remove the patina from the statue. So that's on the light side. On the heavy side, uh, we've removed. Uh, heavy coatings, and then get, and they've got a, um, a very deep profiling surface. And we get all the levels of cleanliness that you need, whether it be commercial, near white, or white metal. We can attain all of those as well. Well, it sounds like you guys take, you know, we've been doing a series here on uh, blast media, and so and we're kind of wrapping up the whole series with you guys, and it sounds like you guys take all of the different medias and uh, put yeah. them in your sponge. So let's talk a little bit. Hey, Jack, you know what? What? Part of Carboline's going on the road again. Again? Yeah. This time, they are going to Chicago. We're going to be at WEFTEC 2019, which is in Chicago this year. It's a 92nd annual Water Environment Federation Conference. So we're going to be in booth 4305, and that's September 23rd through 25th. And, uh, you know, Chicago's a great town, except for that uh, baseball team uh, that uh, with a youthful animal. Yeah, but that's okay. As of right now, they're in second place. Second place. All right, but this commercial runs for a whole month, so we'll just have to see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see where they go. Anyway, uh, so while you when you stop by at WebTech, make sure that you come and ask about the Carbomastic 615. Carbomastic 615 is a phenalkamine epoxy. It does really good applying to damp surfaces. Make sure you ask them. 
See you there. You know, you, you mentioned it in, in your rundown, but you said the almost 95% less creation of dust. So how does the sponge work in order to attain that feat? Thanks for that question. That's one of the, the great features of the sponge is that when, if you take this small piece of sponge, again, three to five millimeters, it's, uh, I don't know, the size of a small caper or something like that. When you impact on the surface, the sponge flattens out. So if you can imagine that, because it's pliant, and it'll flatten out. And when it flattens out, it's got a bunch of open cells on it. It's an open cell polyurethane foam. It hits the surface. It flattens out. The abrasive strip, normally when abrasives by themselves hit the surface, it fractures the coatings, it fractures the contaminants on the surface. And sometimes if it's a, if it's a very friable abrasive, it fractures itself. And that creates your total suspended particle of dust. That's your dust cloud. The sponge particle, when it flattens out, when it removes that, the open cells of the sponge capture about 95% of that contaminant, dust, coating, rust, anything that could have gotten airborne, and it lays dry in those open cells in the sponge particle. That means your visibility is increased exponentially on this, uh, during blasting. Uh, many blasters, when they use our product, are amazed that they can see everything that they're doing, especially in an enclosed area, like a vessel, um, a tank. Your visibility goes up quite a bit. <clears throat> then when you put it in a machine, you shake out those contaminants on-site. This is an on-site process. You shake out the contaminants, and that's your waste stream. Our typical consumption, our average consumption of abrasive products in an application is between 45 and 65 pounds per hour of waste generation, as opposed to 800 to 1,500 pounds, depending on what you're using. That's an amazing improvement. It, it is, and it's especially nice if you have to pay for disposal, I'll yep. tell you. Absolutely. You know, because that's one of the big things that, that most job sites are concerned about is, you know, everybody's concerned about what hazardous waste am I getting rid of and how do I get rid of it? What's the cost of getting rid of it? And when you're able to reduce it by that amount to being purely, it is just dry paint that you're getting rid of. Or if you're doing surface prep, you've got some, you know, surplus steel that you've removed from the surface. You're not worrying about getting rid of the abrasive that you're using. For the most part, that is absolutely correct. And on a typical blast day, if we compared ordinary abrasives and sponge media, if we got five hours of blasting in on a day, which is a good day for blasting. I mean, for a blaster, when you think about the real trigger time, but let's just say it's five hours in, in the day that the blasting occurred. Instead of having, for one nozzle of blasting, 5,000 pounds or two and a half super sacks to dispose of, how about you have two-thirds of a 55-gallon drum for disposal? Yeah, that's definitely better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take column B, but... I, I'm not. I'm not done with this whole. Uh, so we we hit the surface. We flatten out. You said something earlier too about a low rebound. So I, I kind of want to continue the uh, slow mo talk about how the sponge media works. So it hits the surface, flattens out, absorbs dust, and then and then what what uh, does it do to prevent having this huge rebound? Okay. So typically, when we're blasting with a regular abrasive. 
the media comes out of the nozzle somewhere between 375 and 400 miles per hour is what the media comes out of the end of the nozzle. Sponge media comes out of the end of the nozzle 375, 380 miles an hour through the end of the nozzle. When you hit the surface, regular abrasives rebound, or I shouldn't say rebound, they ricochet off the surface in the 350 mile an hour range. Uh, think, if you will, if you took a golf ball and stood in front of a concrete wall and threw it at the wall as hard as you could, pretty much it's coming back at you at just about the same speed. The sponge media, when it hits that surface at 350, 375 miles an hour, it flattens out. It loses its kinetic energy, and the rebound is in the range of about 20 miles an hour. Wow. Now, that's a, that's a plus and a minus, fellas. On the plus side, we could go into a small vessel, a tank, and blast, abrasive blast to an angular grit profile, to an angular profile using grit, go back to white metal, feather edges on weld seams or on blisters. If you go inside of something that's got 90% of the coating intact and 100% and 10% of it uh, damaged, when you blast in there, you can open, you can dry abrasive blast in there and get optimum surface preparation rather than using power tools or grinders, which may or may not get the profile, make the, uh, make the cleanliness in the surface that you need. But if you tried to abrasive blast with something else, the ricochet is going to damage adjacent coatings. Sponge media doesn't have that. Uh, it doesn't do that. So the beautiful feature of it is that now that you can surgically blast in areas and treat areas for recoat or to address specific areas like weld seams or edges of beams where there's where normally inside of things that's where you have your coating failure on weld seams or edge retention or maybe it's just at the interface line between the liquid and the oxygen level inside of the tank where it's very aggressive. I have to say, there was a there was a phrase you used there that I don't think I've ever heard used with the blasting industry: surgical blasting. And I know from a from a tech service engineer standpoint, we tell people all the time, we're like, oh, just you know, feather off that edge, or you need to to smooth this through, or remove just you know six mils of coating, not the entire eighteen. And we say it like it's an easy process to do. You know, we kind of downplay how difficult that kind of a process really is, but I don't think I've ever referred to it as surgical. That's that's an amazing description to be able to actually, you know, have a, a process that'll back that up. I had somebody in the U.S. Navy tell me that it was a surgical blast process and actually made a decal for my hard hat. I've got a hard hat someplace that's got that decal on it with a scalpel. So uh, they're the ones that coined that phrase. I'd like to take the, the uh, credit for it, but I can't. The other thing about blasting with this is that our equipment, we have the ability to turn the pressure up or down um, when we're blasting. So let's say we have 150 PSI coming from the compressor. Uh, we have a regulator on our blast equipment. We can blast as low as 7.5 PSI at the nozzle or increase that pressure to about 110 PSI at the nozzle uh, when we're blasting. We, we do that quite uh, frequently. Because you get on something where you might be blasting, you might need a heavy abrasive, but you don't want to do tremendous damage to the, to the surface. So you could turn the pressure down. 
Well, that's what I was going to ask you next. You kind of, you kind of beat me to it is, do you need special equipment for the sponge media? Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending how you look at it, the answer is we've tried running sponge media through conventional blast equipment. And the problem is, is that the sponge doesn't flow like regular abrasive. It's much lighter. So when you take one and a half cubic feet of sponge and it's got, or, or I should say sponge abrasive, uh, the sponge media, it's got an abrasive in there, but it's not going to be one and a half cubic feet of abrasive. So a a 50 or a 40 pound bag of abrasive is two and a half times the size of a, of a, or maybe four times the size of a 50 pound sack of more ordinary abrasive. When it gets in the blast vessel, it's a pressurized vessel. We call ours a feed unit. It doesn't normally just slide down and siphon off the bottom like a normal uh, blast piece of equipment. When you pressurize that vessel, it the uh, the media is challenged to slide down to the bottom, especially when it's brand new in it, in its in its initial state because it's lighter. So we have equipment that facilitates that moves the media into the blast airstream and we actually have an auger that turns that delivers the media at a measured rate so we think it's better than a metering valve and and so you can adjust your media going into the into the airstream for blast for your blast stream i mean that sounds like a great set of controls to be able to actually have a a unified process through the whole system from from startup you know being able to bring in the the media how you feed it through, and then the control of the, the velocity that you have it coming out the nozzle at the end. I don't want everybody to think that we're just a niche product for certain things. We blast on all masonry surfaces. Sponge blasting is used on concrete, on CMU block, on brick. Our wheelhouse is lead paint removal because of the low dust, dust issues. We've blasted on marble, sandstone, limestone, and then Every steel surface you can think of, we do that as well. We do the marine industry, the rail car industry, uh, structural steel, all of these things. Those are our wheelhouse. We're in it. That's great. Yeah, well, that's Ted, a that's a fantastic closing statement. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ted, thank you very much for joining us. It was a pleasure to have you on. I know that I learned a little bit more about sponge blasting today. Thank you very much, and uh, thank you for coming on the show. Gentlemen, I appreciate the opportunity very much and look forward to seeing you. All right. Is Thanks. It, for more information, uh, just go ahead and go to spongejet.com. And-, and so, for the Carboline Tech Service Podcast, I'm Paul. And I'm Jack. And we'd, we'd like, like to, to thank, thank you for, for your support. support.